0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 617 with a review of Relic. I'm Christopher Schneezy.
1: And I'm Stephen Miller.
0: And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Uh, this week in your feeds, you will have seen a review of Palm Springs, a review of Greyhound. We have this review of Relic, and then also we will have a review of First Cow, um, which we are doing last even though first is in the damn title,
1: yep, and we both watched it first.
0: <laughs> that is true, um, but yeah. So this film relic is one that you know we've seen some murmurings around. We've seen uh, some some tweets and stuff that, whether hyperbolic or not, uh, we're equating to this some other to some other films that um, I've. Um, somehow been able to force steven to watch <laughs> so mm-hmm. s- since we were doing a marathon session of films this weekend i was like man we got to do this new horror film it's going to be spooky and it's fun to make steven watch scary things so uh can we please do it and i think eventually after seeing enough positive um chatter around the film uh i think you finally came around and decided to do it and by the way we also watched other films that we are not reviewing this weekend um so 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 yeah but anyways so we finally came to do it do you want to remind people your stance steven on horror films or spooky films in general
1: uh i'm a wimp i hate i don't like them i don't like being scared i don't like having images that scare me i realize though that that has been worse when I have lived in scary apartments, like wooden <laughs> apartments.
0: Yeah, old creaky things.
1: Yeah, like it's funny. The, the location that I'm in when I watch a movie really, really matters. Like a, a creaky apartment, an apartment that is near the ground floor for some reason is inherently scary to me. Like yeah. if there is a window and there is a chance there could be a face outside the window, <laughs> it freaks me out.
0: The, the funny thing about that, though, is is your your last apartment you had there was a window that didn't go outside the house it was in the center of the house to a null space in the buildings yeah i know it was like demonic right (laughs) i definitely slept on your couch one time and just through the open door was just that window and i was like man fuck this
1: (laughs) it's creepy yeah it's creepy and i i've had long hallways before too which are just inherently scary like my, my last apartment that was above the music venue a it was above a music venue so there were noises all the time the people who worked there would be routinely there till like four in the morning so there'd be creaking walking around doing things it was haunted by rock (laughs) (laughs) yeah it it is wooden It, it was old it was this like edwardian home so like everything creaked and it was a kind of lengthwise apartment where it was long And like had sudden kind of corners left and right. And if you walked through it, you basically like went through a long, dark corridor. And I got scared really easily in that apartment. Uh, The apartment before that was a loft. And then that meant if I was upstairs in bed, there was this whole down part that I could see if I looked over the balcony. (laughs) And which means at any moment, (laughs) something creepy could be down there, right? Like that was just like an emotional thing. Now I'm in a kind of, like, newer apartment building. I'm on the sixth floor. And for some reason, my brain will allow for ghosts and demons and possessed older ladies. But I'm like, yeah, but you're on the sixth floor. They can't get up here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like... <laughs> For some reason, I tell myself that, like, well, I'm safe now. And, and so I have a slightly less terrible time of watching horror movies than I used to in old apartments. But I still don't like it. And this question is prompted by me texting you at 9 in the morning on Sunday saying, I hate you so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was the best thing because I just I just turned to Jamie and I was like, I think Steven's about to watch Relic. <laughs> She's like, why? I was like, because I just got a text that says, I hate you so much.
1: <laughs> what I hate, too, is, like... There are other movies th- that people are talking about that we did not review this weekend like Old Guard like yeah. I don't know why I rolled over on Relic so quickly
0: <laughs> It was mostly just because you like pain you, you in this in this time of quarantine you just sometimes you just need to hurt yourself to feel
1: <laughs> Yeah Well I felt like it would balance First Cow <laughs> like
0: <laughs> it is quite the opposite of First Cow
1: <laughs> Yeah this is last. <laughs> last cow.
0: It, I mean, it is weird when Grams was like, I taste London in these cookies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> History is coming. You just have to wait. <laughs> All right, Steven. Well, what do you say
0: we get into our review of Relic? Sure. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for the film, and then we're going to come back and give you that review. When was the last time you spoke to her? It's been a few weeks. Gran? Mum? Mum! She called me a few weeks ago. I think she was scared. She thought her mum was coming into the house. do you know where you were Mum? i suppose i went out what's this i was on the property when your grandfather inherited it his mind wasn't there in the end you can't put gran in a home she can't live on her own anymore she has to be watched everything all right gran I thought this was where it got in. Who? Whoever it was coming into the house.
1: Mum, what is it?
0: It's here. Under the bed. There's nothing under the bed, Mum. Will you check for me? to help you mom I can see you
1: <laughs>
0: This house seems unfamiliar Alright, so that was the trailer for Relic It is basically, at the start of this film A mother and daughter pairing are going back to see the grandmother of the family um, Because she has walked away from home and is sort of missing at the time And it's sort of about them coming to visit the grandmother in her d- deteriorating condition And uh, trying to get her settled back in and to hopefully regain some no- normalcy uh, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Relic?
1: So as the trailer was playing, and we are listening to the trailers live while you, the listener, are listening to them. Um, I went and had to check my apartment <laughs> because it is too dark. And I have a like divider between me and the rest of the living room, which is fraught, as I've established. Because an area where I could peer around a corner and see like an old lady sitting there. Don't want to touch that, you know, or not standing there Um, facing
0: the other direction, even scarier than just sitting there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and it is nighttime when we are recording this. Um, Lucky for me, the trailer is scarier than the movie, which I think is true for most art horror films of the last few years. Um, This movie, I think, did not really frighten me that much. And because of the time I watched it, I never felt that at risk of being pushed over the edge like don't get me wrong there were scenes where i really didn't want to look at whatever the camera was going to pan to next one takes place under a bed um that did not fill me with joy (laughs) at all but (laughs) overall i survived the movie okay and i was able to watch it like confidently enough to mostly enjoy what it was doing um you read the synopsis of this to me before we started recording um I had not read or seen anything. I think all of the movies, except for First Cow, I had not seen a trailer for, for things we're talking about this weekend. Um, and I'm glad I didn't, because I think just piecing together the theme of this movie, that was, that was enjoyable. Like It's a thing that horror does well, and this is territory that horror films, even that you have forced me to watch recently, <laughs> have, have tread, right? Um, the visit comes to mind, right? The fear of elderly relatives and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The, the sense that an elderly relative might be slowly losing it and the terror that comes with that of, like, I can't control this anymore. It It is scary. Like, this is suddenly a person that I don't know how they will behave. Um, Aging is here, too. I think Hereditary. Like, if the name Hereditary had not been taken, that would be the name of this movie. Like, it, it is clear with the three generations of women that this movie is about that, right? And it is yeah. about, like, the legacy of of death and mortality that haunts the floorboards that haunts the house and what it does to people who are still living in it. Um, and I thought the metaphors were at at times pretty beautiful at times kind of on the nose, like very, very obvious. Um, and yeah, it, it did. Okay. I I think this movie feels redundant. I feel like the combination of the Babadook and hereditary make me not feel that this movie is doing anything particularly new. Um, I like some of the visuals. It actually reminded me of a... There was a short, uh, animated short this year called Memorable, I think it was. There was a French one. I don't know if you watched the Oscar-nominated shorts. I I didn't see them this year. Okay. Well, that that, that was a French short about a person who is um, losing his memory. And it is kind of representing how life looks from his perspective. And like features start to dull. And areas start to get more and more confined until in the end there's only kind of darkness there's nothingness and that that is kind of like a light sweet little short and this is the horrific equivalent of it of like let me put you inside the mind of a person for whom nothing is making sense anymore but I don't know. I, it just—I didn't feel like there was that much meat on the bones when you when you got down to it. Uh, that wasn't supposed to be a reference, but I guess <laughs> there's some imagery in this movie that is like that too. Um, yeah. I, it it just kind of felt like a. It was it was a thoughtful rumination on the idea of mortality and how that might be terrifying. I, I just didn't think it added up to a whole lot. Like it it didn't bring me that much joy to watch, even when. The fear wasn't really top of mind anymore. But it, it was... It was well done enough. Like, it has creepy moments. It, it has enough things to make a scary-looking trailer. I, I just don't think it is that... I don't know. It, it, it isn't all that special to me.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you go back and listen to the history of this podcast... You know, one of the things that scares me the most out of anything... Whether it be horror genre or non-horror genre... Whether it's a suspense thriller or whatever... Is people behaving in ways that you cannot predict before they act that way. So even even going back to like Soderbergh's side effects, like just, just the idea of somebody behaving in an irrational way that you could not have predicted and don't know how to respond to is incredibly scary to me. It's one of the most yeah. frightening things that that I can experience. So I found the beginning sections of this film incredibly terrifying, just from a, a literal cognitive level, right? Like me thinking about and extrapolating over what is what is happening between the characters and what's going on and what the mother could do, where the mother might be or the grandmother, I should say, those things like really really creeped me out and always had me on edge. And I think the 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 first fifty percent to seventy five percent of this film, I, I I really enjoyed. I thought it built dread very very well. It was this very very slow rumble with little bits of creepiness and. You know the the metaphor of what this film was doing, it was it was on the nose, um, but I was fine with that because that's it's a it's a it's a type of story that is being told a lot. Um, it feels like at least I've seen a lot of films that do this sort of thing, and I was enjoying it. Um, where things started to fall apart for me is basically the ending of this film. Um,
1: yeah, when things start to fall apart.
0: <laughs> yeah, when things literally start to fall apart. And the problem is that I am fine. So let's go back to the film Mother, right? One of my complaints about the film Mother is it is only pure metaphor. There is nothing in that film that makes sense scene to scene. But because it is literally taking direct stories from the Bible and translating them into something that's visually interesting, and I can follow that thread, I'm like, oh, fuck, I know what this is doing. It's literally just telling this story. and Now it's telling this story. And now it's telling this story. and And there doesn't... It didn't feel like a cohesive narrative that would have worked or made sense if there was no Bible, right? (laughs) Like, Mm. Mother works because it is showing actualization of the Bible. And I think that Hereditary, the film Hereditary, is all about how the the mental state of the characters affect the family as a whole and the dynamics between um the emotional state of you know motherhood being a child and sort of those interactions there's a lot of st- complicated stuff that film's doing but eventually it stops being the metaphor for that and becomes actually a story about demonic possession right it it, it uses the metaphor as a way to branch off to tell what is its own narrative and this, right. this film does the exact opposite. Of this, it, this, this reduces back on itself and becomes pure metaphor in a way that I did not care for. <laughs> um, I understand the artistic decision. I understand it twice as much now that I know that the description specifically says that's what the film is, um, on IMDb. But th- th- for some reason, that just, the ending of this film ceases to make sense logically within the the narrative that's been constructed. Like, the characters stop behaving in the way that they would if they were actual characters that aren't just facilitating the role of the metaphor. And the house does things that only make sense <laughs> in the construct of the metaphor of what the film is doing. It doesn't... There's no... There's no physical reality anymore towards the end of this film. It's purely just this like tone poem about <laughs> like dementia, and I, I think that for me, that sort of left me not able to, to connect by the end of the film like I understood this I understood what it was trying to tell me, but I didn't feel like I wasn't any longer invested in those characters because it was just an idea that I was watching unfold
1: yeah. No, I, I I, definitely hear that. Um, I think th- it's kind of weird because I simultaneously think the end of this movie is the worst part, like in, in terms of any subtlety, certainly in terms of it being a good horror movie, quote, end quote. And the the veer into the on-the-nose kind of... Inset- th- this movie is doing things that like other movies in the horror genre could do if they were set up that way from the beginning. Uh, Like, I'm thinking of I think Silent Hill was kind of like this, where the whole thing is just kind of like a demonic hellscape, right, where nothing makes sense and then it's okay. Like, then the metaphor can just be, like, physical and it's fine. But this has been, up till now, a completely real situation with supernatural things happening at the margins and the idea of something It's a real situation
0: with black mold growing all over the house.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, I haven't cleaned that much during quarantine. I get that fear. <laughs> um, <laughs> so on the one hand, I think that. I think it is way too on the nose there in the end. It pushes it too far. This is my problem with The Babadook, too. I think in general, I don't really like when they when they are doing the slow burn and then suddenly they veer into the here is the actual thing. Um, it works in Hereditary because I think it is like it is sparing enough and the crescendo is such a boom crescendo that it doesn't linger long enough to ruin the vibe, I don't think. Um, but here it does. But on the other hand, artistically, I love the final sequence of this film. Like the the way it chooses to end and the very on the nose, but still the, the imagery it chooses to end on. I found that beautiful and I hated it for doing it <laughs> at yeah. the same time because it it, it was very like it was powerful. Like when, when you think about what it means and the idea of the turmoil versus the choices that you have to make in that moment, like I get it, like I get wanting to do it. And then as a horror movie, I just felt like it didn't earn it or deserve it at all. So that, that was kind of the conflict I felt at the end was I, I was moved by that. And it also undercut the movie for me.
0: Yeah. Like I assume that this is an intensely personal story um, for the writer director, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like, you're asking me to take leaps with you in your storytelling and you, I mean, outside of your IMDb description, you're not communicating to me that you want to exist in pure metaphor. Um, so you let me sit and follow you through reality. And then you tear all that away literally and figuratively <laughs> and have me sit yep. with just, just the idea you're trying to wrestle with. And I understood that idea during the first 50% of the film and outside of doing something visually striking, like the thing that the, the mother, the middle, the middle person in the generations, generation mid, uh, the thing she does directly before that scene, you can't like you can't transition the, the reality of what she, the action she's taking to the metaphor of the next scene there's no subtle way to transition between those things and there's no way to kind of like blend and do like a crossfade to it it's just a hard cut to oh and now we're doing the end of the movie now it's it's almost it might as well be like a florida project ending right where you can be like well none of that actually happened this is just like (laughs) you know like whatever Mm. It, it feels like that disconnected um to me at least i mean
1: yeah no, no, it does and I think you could have salvaged that. You could have still had that if you wanted, but there would have to be some... Like in the Babadook, there's some kind of deus ex machina that brings you from the the one fearful position that they are in to the final position they're in in the end. And I think you could have done something like that here, right? Without giving too much away. There could have been a, an inability to change the situation and that turning into the conclusion of the film and the, the, the way it goes go just feels too abrupt. Like it, like it makes the emotional arc not work anymore, but, but I agree. Like I also felt that this must be a very personal film from the director and like that personal aspect shine through. Like I, I extrapolated into that and I felt moved by the ending of it, but yeah, but even before you get there, right? Like there are logistics involving um, scenery and topology <laughs> in this movie that, they go from zero to a hundred in a way that was difficult to follow. Like I did not have any fear in the last 25% of this movie. Like the, the fear was gone completely because I, I know now I am in fantasy land and like you have already, there's some kind of pact for horror for me where it has to feel real enough that I like put myself in the position of the characters, and then I can be terrified of what is happening to them. Yeah, um, and the moment it veers over into well, I could never be in that position. The fear just goes away, and, and that was the the final twenty minutes of the movie for me. Agreed. I do want to say though that I think Emily Mortimer makes a good horror heroine. Like she's the the mom in this movie, yeah, yeah. And I I feel like she has a good mix of she's like very likable and. I, I don't know, there, there's something about being the right protagonist where you have to really care about them, but then also believe that they are feeling agitated and wanting to be out of there. And I, I think the empathy like works for her. So I, I'd be happy to see more horror movies with her, to the extent that I'm happy to see any more horror movies ever, <laughs> which is not very...
0: There will there will come a time, it might be like five years from now, where you're going to be begging for us to review more horror films.
1: I don't believe that will happen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Cool. Should we get to our verdicts for this? Sure. All right. Stephen Miller, if you're going to give us a must-see, recommend with the caveat, wait for until pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it?
1: So it's a little counterintuitive because I, I've had more negative things to say about this movie than Greyhound, which we just reviewed. But I do think there was enough beauty in this movie and imagery that is still lingering with me to push it up to a recommend with the caveat in that I think the story it wants to tell is quite lovely and the tension it builds for most of the movie is pretty good and it it does have just a few images that really like <clears> stick in your craw like like things that i remember very vividly now and so i think it it communicates what the director wanted to communicate and for that reason i think it is worthwhile caveat i i don't think it is that successful as a horror movie and it does become a little bit generic in most of what it's trying to do so I don't know. I I was still completely happy that I watched it, which is actually rare for horror. Um, But there's enough loveliness there to make me enjoy the ride. Yeah, this
0: is personal preference, but I'm going to give it a wait for rental. Um, There is some visually interesting stuff in the story, and I understand the beauty of what it's trying to do. I just... I was off-put by the the lack of committing to any sense of reality in this world. Um and that sort of like once again, this is personal preference, but it just it it rubbed me too much the wrong way. And because I was jiving with this film so much for the first half, maybe 75% of it, um, it made the ending really kind of just it 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 was abrasive to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like a little bit of black mold growing in my brain. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Cool. Uh, well, that is going to be the end of our review of Relic Stephen Miller. People want to find you the week. Where can they do that?
1: People can find me at twitter.com slash miller or sdavemiller.com.
0: People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Um, If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to relic so hopefully you are enjoying that um and uh yeah we only have one more review to get to you so we're gonna rush off and we're gonna do that that's review of first cow we saved the first and the slowest of all the films (laughs) for last (laughs) (laughs) Yep. um so yeah we'll see you in just a moment bye bye